Thanks for joining us for Welcome New Life's Sermon of the Week, where it's all good news. To stay up to date on all of our weekly services and events, please visit us at wnla.church. Please enjoy this week's sermon. We hope it encourages you. We are starting a series this, and first of all, I do want to say thank you. There were a, a group of folks here yesterday working very hard for many hours, just decorating the church, uh, and so we just thank you guys for doing that. Um, and and uh, we are going to start a series today, His Name Shall Be Called. Um, you know, because it goes back to the old, the old uh, Handel's Messiah, and His name shall be called, wonderful, Right? The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince All right, I think you've got it. I'm not going to sing it again. That's a harder one to sing, which is why we don't often sing it in group settings, all right? Believe it or not, Handel didn't write those words. He wrote the beautiful music, and wow, anointed that song is. It really is. But I believe part of the key to the anointing is he drew that directly out of the prophetic scriptures that were pointing to Jesus Christ, Amen. the Messiah, the, the Savior of our souls. These, the, these are the things that Jesus is famous for. He's our wonderful counselor, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. It says his name shall be called these things. He will be renowned. He will be famous for these things and so much more. But we've got four weeks here leading up to Christmas. And each week we are going to jump into one aspect of who Jesus is based on this prophecy in the book of Isaiah that was pointing towards Jesus Christ. So Handel, while he didn't write the words, he was anointed and he wrote the, the music to this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and you, can hear, you can hear the excitement and the joy in it. And I believe that's the same thing that Isaiah experienced. Okay? Isaiah was a prophet. 700 years before Christ was ever born, Isaiah was there in a very dark time. And he received a prophetic picture, a prophetic word. In fact, I believe what would be fun is if we, took, if we throw up our picture of the nativity, right? I think you could take a little statue of Isaiah and put him right there in the nativity. Because Jesus took him 700 years into the future and showed him yeah. a prophetic picture of what was going to happen. And so, you know, you put a little Isaiah in there and he could be behind the bush going like this. <laughs> right? Because he had the distinct privilege 700 years before the birth of Christ to peek into that moment and see the birth of Jesus. And I believe you can hear the joy in, as we, we're going to read it here in Isaiah chapter 9. And, and I just want you to know, I, I won't be able to expand really completely on everything going on in this. Uh, it's just such a rich section of Scripture. But we're going we're gonna to do our best to, uh, to try here. So Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to set up this whole series today. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Now remember... This is a time of darkness. This is a time, let me just set this up. This is a time Isaiah's living in. Uh, the rest of Israel has been taken to captivity already. Judah's still left there. But the Assyrian Empire is expanding like crazy, and the kingdom of Israel is shrinking like crazy. Okay? It's, it's, it's not a, 
I think if you were, if you were a Hebrew in this time, it wouldn't be just a kickle, kicks and joys and giggles time to be alive. It was a dark time. This was a, there was threats on every side. You didn't know if the next day you were going to be taken into, into captivity. The, the northern kingdoms already had been. And, uh, and, and so you weren't the strong power, right? Right? Sometimes it's, oh, we're in America. We're the strong power. No, this was, this was not only not the strong power. It was a shrinking nation. And so, uh, and so this is where Isaiah gets to peek into the nativity 700 years into the future. He's not the only one who got to do so. You know, realize the Old Testament is so chock full of prophecies pointing to the Messiah and that Jesus, born in the manger, fulfilled every single one of them. It's just profound. All right, let's get into this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And I love the way this sets up. It says this, nevertheless, remember what, what time we're in. We're in a dark time. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Oh, you, got, you have my attention now. This is the prophetic word. This is the, when he sees that picture, <gasps> there'll be no more gloom. That's the first thing the Lord speaks to him. And the first thing he, he, he gives to us. And it says this, In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. All right, there's a lot of words in there. It says, in the past, he's humbled these places, but in the future, he will honor, he will greatly honor the Galilee. Zebulun and Naphtali, these were two of the sons, two of the tribes of Israel. They were the northern tribes. They, they occupied the area we call the Galilee, yeah. right? And it was the most, it was probably the worst place to receive your inheritance because it was right on the border. You've got, you've got Syria, you've got Turkey, you've got Jordan, and, and they all want this place because it's the only giant body of fresh water for miles. And here's your inheritance. And so it was constantly being taken from them. They had to take it back. And as a result, even to this day, it's not a very developed area. You go to Jerusalem, you go to other parts, there's giant cities. Galilee is still very much countryside. Even at the time of Jesus, it, it, these were the country folks. These were the hicks. That's why they're like, Peter, who are you? You got that, you got that Galilean accent. Could anything good come from there? Well, yeah, cool, show cut. All right, that's my accent. I don't know <laughs> But Jesus says, I will honor Galilee. And when Isaiah is even writing this, that part of Israel was taken over by Assyria. It wasn't even part of the kingdom anymore. It says, in the past, in the past, there, there was gloom. There were, but in the future, I will honor the Galilee. Now, wait a minute. Jesus comes along. He's born in Bethlehem, which isn't in the Galilee. What? Here's the thing. He was born in Bethlehem. A couple years into that, he was, he was called into Egypt because Herod was going to kill him. And so he was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Egypt. Both of these things are pro prophesied about the, the Messiah. He would be born in Bethlehem. And, and in Hosea, I believe, he says, I will call my son out of Egypt. How can the Messiah be born? How can he come from Bethlehem, Egypt, and the Galilee all at the same time? Because all of these places are prophesying the Messiah, and yet Jesus comes along and boom, 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 every single prophecy, and that's just three. It's so profound. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't create that and make it happen even if you wanted to. Jesus lived in Egypt, sliding down the pyramids. You know, he loved it. 
No, he was only he was only there for a short while. He was only a couple of years old. But then he came up, and they lived in in Nazareth, which is in the Galilee. This is where he lived and, and grew up his whole life. This is where he performed his first documented miracle, the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, which is right outside Nazareth. Where did he spend the, the three years, almost the majority of his ministry? In the Galilee. Along the shores there. You can go sit there and just see where he, he multiplied the loaves and fishes, where he, where he healed all these people. And then he would go to Jerusalem and he'd come back to his hometown, the Galilee. And so here we are. Isaiah gets to peek into the future. In the past, this land wasn't good. And now the Lord's going to greatly honor the Galilee by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Now it says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. These are the words of Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now you have to also understand this. Sorry, I'm try I, I can't help but interject. It's just so rich. On the people walking in great darkness, they've been under the, 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 the oppression of other rulers for 700 years now. Or, and more, more than that. Israel never took back and became a nation. Yeah, they came out of exile, but they were still under the thumb. Babylon, Syria, Rome. It was just, it was just one ruler over the other that was oppressing them. What a time of great darkness. And all the while, they had these promises. That, that, that the, the Messiah would come in the line of David. We, we will rule and reign. We, you know, and, and all of these, and so they're, they're living in this time. And Isaiah peaks 700 years into the future. And he sees that moment when the Messiah comes. <gasps> There'll be no more gloom, he says. A people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned. It says this, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at a harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. This is all the things he saw in that vision. Now, as in the days of Midian's defeat. Isaiah just didn't pick a random battle from the Old Testament to draw from. God specifically spoke to him as in the days of Midian's defeat. This is very specific in the, in the prophecy here. As in the day, what was so special about the day of Midian's defeat? Well, if you go back and read about Gideon, this is the day of Midian's defeat. God raised up Gideon, this shaky warrior who was scared to death. And finally, he's leading this army to go fight against the Midianites. And God says, there's too many of you. So anybody who's scared, go home. And so half the army leaves. They get, they get to this brook, and he's like, there's still too many. I don't want you to even think for a second that you performed this victory, that, that you, you defeated the Midianites. Have people drink down. If they drink this way, they're going home. If they drink this way, they come. Gideon, he comes down, he only has 300 men left. God's like, that'll do. And he's like, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to take clay pots and torches, and you're going to surround the army of the Midianites. And Gideon's like, okay. This doesn't sound strategy here. 
But the, here's how the battle goes. They, uh, they, they, uh, they, they're surrounding it, and it's dark out, and they yell, a sword for the Lord and Gideon. They take the pots off, and they smash the pots. The, the torches shine round about, and the Midianites kill themselves. That's how it works. Gideon didn't have to rush in and do a thing. It was a supernatural, unexplainable, miraculous, God-breathed victory so that nobody could say, I did this. Do you realize? And so then we get to the time of Jesus, like, we want a mighty army. And he's like, that's not how I'm doing this. As in the days of Midian, so that nobody can say, I did this. I'll choose a baby. Somebody raised in the Galilee. And the glory shone round about. It's the supernatural victory. That, that, this is why it's the days of Midian's defeat. So that it, we're not going to be a superpower. We are going to defeat the world only through the power of Jesus. Oh, this is the richness of this. And I just absolutely love it. And this is why we fast forward to even now in the time of Jesus. It says, for God who said, let, us, let light shine out of darkness. This is out of 2 Corinthians, by the way has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay Amen. to show that this, the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I believe that that's partly the day of Midian. <laughs> we have this power in clay vessels that's right. that we can show that this power is not from us. It's only from God. The Lord can win with a pair of twos, Right? All right, so rich, we could go on and on about this, but this is just the beginning, and I have to get into one of the words. Let's keep going. The battle is the Lord's, amen? amen. Now here's where we're going to keep moving on, and I have to say this. The days of your bloody, hard-fought battles are over. Hallelujah. I'm going to preface that. The days of the bloody battles are over. This is all part of the prophetic word prophesying about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came. So Isaiah goes on and he says this. And this is what he sees when he peeked and saw the manger, when he peeked and he saw Christ's birth, when he peeked and he saw the time of Christ, he saw this. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. We won't need them anymore. For, and this is why, why will all that happen? Why do we throw away our swords? Why do we burn the bloody boots? Because for unto us a child is born. <gasps> This is what he saw because of, because of that day. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's what he saw. I want you to look at your nativity scenes a whole different way. I really do. Like, that, that's what he, what? All of this is going to happen because unto us a child is born. And the government will be upon his shoulders. He's going to be a wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting. I can't even contain my excitement. What an amazing picture that is. This is the time we live in, by the way, from that time on. We live in the church age, folks, a victorious age 
where the kingdom of God isn't waning, it's not shrinking, it is growing and expanding and mighty to save. You live on the winning side. We don't live the 700 years before where all the oppressors are coming, oh, it's such a... No, we live in the... (gasps) (sighs) That's where we live. We're victorious. You're a child of God. You are resurrected with Jesus. You are forgiven. You are transformed. You are here to change the world around you. A people of walking in darkness have seen a great light. Let his light shine in you. And go be the light of the world. Walk into the world. All right. I, I, I could go on and on. This is the place we live in. And this is why Jesus comes to us. And he says... Take my yoke upon you, right? What did, what did Isaiah say? He said, he said, the yokes are going to be, they're broken, right? Those bars are broken, the oppressors. And then Jesus comes along. He says, now, take my yoke upon you. Merry Christmas. Amen. This isn't a yoke, it's a scarf, just so you know. A yoke was something that the oxen used to pull uh, uh, everything. But uh, here, we're, this is our yoke today. We put it on us, the yoke of Jesus Christ. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary. This is Jesus talking. And and, and he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Merry Christmas. He broke the yoke and the powers of this dark world. He put the light in us (laughs) and he shoulders the burdens for us if we yoke ourselves to him. You see, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, oh, we're victorious, we're victorious. You're only victorious if you yoke yourself to Jesus. Other than that, you're dragging, you're still dragging the utensils of slavery. You're still dragging the yoke of oppression. You're still the people walking in darkness until I humble myself, look to Christ, take his yoke, and say, yes, Jesus, to every area of my life. That's important. Because I can be free in one area and a slave in another. If I won't, if I won't give my sexual appetite to Jesus, I'm a slave in that area. If I won't get my fear of money, to Jesus and yoke myself to his freedom in it, I'm a slave in that area. If I won't, I can go on and on. Any area you won't yoke yourself to Jesus, you're still walking in darkness. And Isaiah would say to you, a people of walking in darkness have seen a great light. Then Jesus would look to you and say, now take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I'm humble. You'll find rest for your souls. This is the life we live, folks. This is the life we are invited to. Okay. I have a few minutes left. Lots of minutes left, folks. So I want to start here. For the next four weeks, counting today, we're going to take each one of these names. His name shall be called. And we're just going to explore what that means. I mean, we know his name is Yeshua, Jesus. But these things that he's famous for, that his renown is is for. And the first one we're going to talk about today, with the time we have left, is Wonderful Counselor. This is your first Christmas gift. Jesus is your counselor. I love the connotations of this word. He is our counselor. He is somebody who gives you counsel, who conspires with you, and advises you. Listen, you think you're just a counselor, he gives you advice. No, he conspires with you. He sits down, he's like, hey, 
You know what we could do? What if you tried it this way? You know, imagine that secret one-on-one meeting. Jesus loves secret one-on-one meetings with you where he can conspire about your future. He can conspire about your hope. He can conspire about your parenting. He can conspire about how you walk into the grocery store. It's like, Lord, how, how, this person seems so, so lost and so sad. And Lord, I want to be a light to them. How should we do this? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. Because he's the wonderful counselor. He's here to counsel us. He literally wants to counsel you in your life. <laughs> You're not alone. He wants you to come to him and say, hey, I don't know what to do for college. Hey, I don't, I don't know what to do for, for, for retirement. Hey, I don't know what to do for my health. And Jesus will say, I'm glad you asked. I'm a counselor. In fact, I'm a wonderful counselor. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. And he fills his word full of counsel that will make you wonder <laughs> in a good way. He is our wonderful counselor. You see, we, we live in a culture that, you know, we like to receive some advice. But then we're like, here, hold my root beer. I got this. Right? This is who we are. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's who I am. Don't tell me what to do. I got this now. I appreciate you showed me this and this, but now I got this. Jesus says, I got this. <laughs> so the counselor isn't somebody you just go to and then say, here, hold my root beer. Let me go do this. He's like, no, yoke with me and walk with me. He's a counselor that stays with you so that in the midst of the battle, oh, there's a giant. He's like, I knew there would be. Oh, I'm glad you're still here. So we don't run off on our own. We continue. He's a counselor that never leaves. That's wonderful. We need that. He is your coach. Are you listening to him? See, we often listen until something shiny comes along, right? See, the people walking in darkness, oh, that light's great, and then when everything's okay, it's like, you know what, I'm good. I'm no longer walking in darkness, and we walk right back into darkness. We often listen until something shiny or yummy comes along. I'm sorry, but I have to show this clip from Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Casting dirty river. It's industrial waste, that. You've ruined your watershed, Wonka. It's polluted. It's chocolate. That's chocolate. That's chocolate. A chocolate river. That's the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. 10,000 gallons an hour. And look at my waterfall. That's the most important thing. It's mixing my chocolate. It's actually churning my chocolate. You know, no other factory in the world mixes its chocolate by waterfall. But it's the only way if you want it just... Grandpa, look at Augustus. No worry, he can't drink it all. Augustus, sweetheart, save some room for later. Oh, oh uh, Augustus, please, don't do that. My chocolate must never be touched by human hands. Please, don't do that. Don't do that. You're contaminating my entire river. Please, I beg you, Augustus. My chocolate. All right, all right. That was for free. A little Christmas bonus for the day. So listen. We love it. Oh, we're invited to the chocolate factory of people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And then the Lord's like, "That's yes, welcome. Everything is yours. Don't drink the chocolate. Fact. I have lots of chocolate for you. But this, this river, 
trust me, it's not good for you to drink and it will damage some things. And we're like, great, I'm all in. I'm here in the chocolate factory. And then the chocolate river comes along. I wonder. You see what we do? We, 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 we love the wonderful counselor. We love the chocolate factory. But then the shiny river comes along and my, my flesh is like, I want that. Save some room for later. <laughs> He wants, listen, he gives us instruction. He counsels us in ways because he wants to bless us, not because he wants to limit us in any way. He's got chocolate to, that you don't even know about to give you. You haven't even seen all of the factory. So stop looking at the shiny river when he says, hey, the river's not for you. It'll contaminate you. Listen to the wonderful counselor because it's not enough to just say, yes, you're my wonderful counselor. I'll take that on advice. But I have the shiny river looks too good right now. When he says stay away from the, the chocolate river, it's because he has something better for you. He's got a life of, a, of more abundant peace and joy for you. So stay away from the river. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. That's Augustus in the tube, by the way. He's not trying to rob you of fun. He's trying to keep you from falling. He's trying to keep you in the chocolate factory. All these kids got kicked out of the chocolate factory. They disqualified themselves. And we're like, oh, you dumb old coach. You don't even know what you're talking about. This chocolate factory is what I've always wanted, this chocolate river. He's not a, he's not a dumb counselor. He's not just a counselor. He is a wonderful counselor. And not just like, oh, isn't that wonderful advice? I'll think about that. It's like, literally, his advice, when you follow it, it makes you go, what? It's wonderful. It's, it's shockingly good. That's what, that's what I'm talking about here. I got to show my, uh, my clip here. If you show that little video for me. This is a meme that my wife, uh, when I'm looking for something in the fridge, I don't see it anywhere. <laughs> Listen, this kid's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Listen, here's why God is wonderful, a wonderful counselor. Because his, his advice and his instruction won't always make sense to you. But when you follow it, you'll go, yeah. Amen. I can't, uh, mine, you'll go like that. Wonder, surprised, mingle with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplainable. You see, that's what his advice does. That's what a good, wonderful counselor does. When you follow his counsel, it's inexplainable, but it's so wonderful, it's beautiful. It's like, oh, what? Mind blown. And so we have to trust the wonderful counselor. We should follow the wonderful counselor. I remember uh, when I was younger. Listen, I am no athlete. Yes, I want to speak that curse over my life. I'm an amazing athlete in training. Specifically, basketball was never my, uh, my forte, all right? And I remember very vividly, I was in middle school, and we were over at Jeremy uh, Seaver's house. Yes, that's Pastor Erica's older brother. And he was, he was a few years older than me, and he could play basketball. And, and we had a hoop outside of his house, and I'm shooting like this. 
like this. And it's just all over the place. And he just comes over to me and he just puts his arm and says, hey, you know what? If you held it like this and put it under your, and, and then steadied it with here. See, I was trying to put all my strength like this, right? Because that makes sense to me. Of course, I need all the strength I can to get the ball over there. So I'm going to huck it like as strong as I can. No, put it under here, control it with this, and go in. And so I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But you know what? I'll trust you because you seem to know more than me. And so I did it. That's how I felt. What? This changed my game. NBA, here I come. It's all over now. Later on in, in high school, I remember uh, Ryan Skokes said he was the senior, the, the superstar on Ferndale High School team. He took our team to win second in state that year. Oh, day. But you know what? So he, he, he also went to youth group with me, and, and I, he, I asked him, because he, he was the king of the free throws. He just made them all. And I asked him, how do you make all those free throws? And he said this. He's like, I, he's like, I focus on only one thing. Every single time I focus on the same thing. And I don't even know what it's called. You know the little ringlet that the hoop hooks to? He says, I focus on that front one every single time. And so my focus never changes. I'm always shooting the same shot. And it goes in. And so I'm like, let's try this. And then I started to do this. <gasps> when my free throws started to go in. What? It was wonderful, counselor, because it's stuff that didn't make sense to me, that I didn't know, but when I followed the counsel, it produced oh, wonder results in me. And so that's the thing. Jesus' advice to you, the scripture advice, is often things you're like, what? Honor my father and mother so that I will live long? That doesn't make sense in my wonderful, brilliant brain. But yet, at the same time, when I follow the counsel of Scripture, I start to find myself in favor places, in, in areas that I never could have gotten in my own brilliance. See, we've got to get over the fact that we think we're the most brilliant people on planet Earth and get back to the, the humble, childlike faith that says, okay, this is the way Jesus says to live. Doesn't make sense to my brilliant brain. See, when I, when I was talking to Jeremy, when I was talking to Ryan, I respected their opinion. It didn't make sense to me, but I came at them in a humility, right? It's also easy then to get into a situation and be like, you know what, I know more than you. And so you tell me, oh, whoosh. I'll tell another story on myself. I was in choir through high school. We had, Fernell High School had the most amazing choir program on the face of the planet, just so you know. Uh, Mr. Potts was a great teacher, and, and we were, I was in swing choir, concert choir. We got top marks at every competition. My, senior, my junior year, he resigned, and we got another teacher in. And this is how I approached that guy. Hmm. And I led minor rebellions against him as a senior, and I am not proud of it. But I'm telling you, as a result, the whole choir suffered because I didn't honor this teacher because... Well, who's he? Well, he graduated from college with a music degree. He probably still knows more than me. But I refused to listen to his counsel anymore. What did I do? I had, to, I had pride, and I had not humbled myself to receive. I can learn. See, we get ourselves into positions. Like, I make the free throws, and I'm like, I got, now I got this. Hold my root beer. I don't need your counsel anymore. But you know, Jesus has a lot more counsel than just aim at the one ringlet. And so instead of becoming puffed up and prideful, the proper posture is, what else do you got? 
What else you got? Because if that's good, there's so much more for me. Childlike faith. It's Jesus, Jesus says stuff like this. Do you want to be great in the kingdom? Be the servant of all. What? That's not how you get great. I saw it on the movies. You beg, steal, borrow, kick, and you climb your way to the top. And Jesus is like, you want to, you want to gain your life? Lay it down. That doesn't make any sense. He's the wonderful counselor. Because here's the thing. When I follow his counsel, every time it's like this. Wow. It fills you with wonder because his counsel is perfect. His word is flawless. His words are true. He is true. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. What? No, I got to seek first after my career. I got to seek first after everything I can get. And then we'll see what... No, no, no. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added to you. That doesn't make sense. Follow that and see if you don't go like this. He's the wonderful counselor. Exalt yourself and you will be humbled. That's... But humble yourself and you will be exalted. That doesn't make sense. Follow it. If the word says something and instructs you to do something that doesn't make sense, that's a good place to be. Because you are not the counselor. You are the one yoked to the counselor who's never left you. So just obey. Honor him in your finances, in your faith, in your relationships, in your sexuality, in your future. Honor the word of God. Honor Jesus. And I guarantee you, Every time, it will be when you follow Christ. He has blessing for you. He has plans to give you a hope and a future. If you will honor him, trust the wonderful counselor with childlike wonder. This is what I love about Christmas. We can all get to be little kids again. And there's a wonder of the season in, in, in Christmas as a kid. Because you're like, I don't, I don't know what's coming, but oh, it's going to be good. And then when it comes, you're like, Right? This is, this is what we're invited into. Not just in December, but all year long. A walk with Christ that's like this. What are we going to do? I know it's going to be good. I don't get it. I'm going to follow, and I'm going to trust, and I'm going to obey, because you're the wonderful counselor. And I'm the one who just gets to go, wow. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 2-4, He called the little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes a lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. First of all, I don't even know exactly what that means to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Like, I didn't realize this was a competition, right? And I don't have to understand that. But I do know that if I want to have success and see the world changed, i got to take the lowly position of a servant, of a child, and, and serve and trust in the wonderful counselor that my ways are not as good as his ways. And if I will submit to him, if you will submit to the wonderful counselor in that area of your life that you have refused to let him into, he's going to make you wonder in awe. That's this beauty. That's the invitation today to the wonderful counselor. This is the thing that when Isaiah peeked into the future, they're going to get the wonderful counselor in them at all times? Wow! See, they didn't have that. Until Christ came, 
They didn't have the access to the presence like we do. And Isaiah went, oh, wow. People walking in darkness have seen a great light, and his name's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. That's your gift. There's blessings in obedience. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.